This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. In part one last Sunday, we talked about the greatest gift in uh, the form of Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, And in part two, uh, I'm about to get into part two, but during this series, we're discussing at length uh, the most extravagant gift exchange uh, that the human human race has ever witnessed and will ever witness. Uh, We're in the season where we exchange gifts, uh, where we give gifts to one another, family, friends uh, included. Uh, we, We give one another gifts. We enjoy giving one another gifts. But... In the root of it all, even though we, we discount the fact that we take away from God what, his, what is His, the idea of gift giving, if you trace it back, always begins with the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus gave uh, His everything, where uh, the biggest gift that was ever given to mankind was given to us in an attempt to trade with us things that we were not proud of. Proud of shame, guilt, so, so on and so forth. Last Sunday, we talked about the most extravagant exchange and where he takes our loneliness, our pain, our separation, and he's traded it with Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, we talked about the first reason why Jesus is the greatest gift, because he is God with us. And we talked about what it means to proclaim the glorious offense of the gospel, that Jesus is God and Jesus is with us. I mentioned earlier that we are in our Advent series. Uh, for a lot of people that, uh, that are probably seated here, there are a mixed group of people, people that are from uh, traditional churches that probably know what the meaning of the word Advent is, and there are people that are probably at this church that don't know what the meaning of the word Advent is. Um, you know, if uh, there are different churches that celebrate the Advent season in different ways, but the word Advent literally means coming, or arrival, coming or arrival. See, the Advent season for us as a church is a theologically enriching way in which we as a church can attempt to have a meaningful conversation about the Christmas message. How we can understand the, the trueness and the power and the potency of this message ourselves. See, Advent is a biblical approach to address and talk about what Christians truly should be celebrating Christmas for. And it's, it's really because of that first advent, the first coming, where God the Father sent his only begotten son into this wretched, sinful world to pay for our sins uh, and for the redemption of his people for you and for me. And today, as we discuss part two, I'm titling my message, The Prince of Peace, The Prince of Peace. Around 700 years before the very first Christmas, was Jesus was born uh, in, in, uh, in the town called Bethlehem. Uh, you know, uh, Isaiah the prophet prophesied about the advent, and he predicted that a savior of the world was to be born, and a savior was going to come, and that he would be called the Prince of Peace. 
I'm going to read a couple of verses here in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. You can follow with me in whatever translation, and they would have the translation I'm reading from on the screen. So please take down notes as we go. The Bible, is, the Bible says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Luke 2 and verse 14, the Bible says this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom, he, whom His favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, the beautiful words of Jesus Christ, where He says, I give the gift of peace to you. My peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to the fear or to be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Now, fragile peace over there, as a side remark, I want to leave with you is literally translated or in, in our context could be translated as job security. It could be translated as relationship or the mask that we wear uh, day after day, the different roles and responsibilities that we, we take on. It could be the things that we hold on to for sustenance and peace and strength. It could be addictions or alcohol or drugs. But the truth of the matter is that we live in a world that is torn and we live in a world that is broken. It's full of rebellion. It's full of lust. It's full of danger. It's full of immortality. And the question that rages and, and keeps coming up is in a world as this, how do we as Christians maintain peace and carry out our, our everyday lives living in peace with one another? How does that work, Pastor? How are we to expect peace in a world as such? In the, in, the, in the Bible verse, in John chapter 14 and verse 27, when Jesus says, I will give the gift of peace to you, that's where we're getting this message from. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us as his children is the gift of peace. Someone say, gift of peace. You know, Jesus is talking at that point in time to a world that was filled with poverty. He was addressing a world that was war-torn. He was addressing a world that was under slavery and so on and so forth, and the list goes on, and Jesus steps right into the middle of that, a very similar situation that, that, that was, was likened to today, and he said, you will have my peace. He says, I will give you the gift of peace. It was the greatest gift exchange. When he says, I will trade your fear and your troubles, and I will give you my peace. I'm going to take a second and break this down for us. The Bible is very clear. He says, do not yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts, because I will give you the gift of peace. Now, it doesn't say that there was, there's not going to be trouble in this world. It doesn't say there's not going to be pain in this world. The peace that Jesus talks about is not total peace. If we have to think about the, from, from the beginning of the, the world, uh, historians will tell you that there's not a point in history that it, that's ever been a hundred percent peace all through the world. There's, there's no part of history that will record that there was peace 
on earth. There was peace in the world. Yet, what is this peace that Jesus talks about? The peace that Jesus is referring to is the peace that he says, despite of what you go through in the world, you are not of the world. You are bought, you are redeemed, you are saved, you are, you are, you are bought by the blood of Jesus. And because of that, there is a peace that you and I as Christians and believers and people that know Jesus Christ can tap into even in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of fear, in the midst of pain, God looks at you and me and says, I will give you my peace. All right. He says, yeah, the, the world is full of pain and you have an option. You can choose the world's peace. And those are the pieces that, the, the piece that I was talking to about earlier, the things that we resort to, 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 to manage our, 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 our pain. Or we can choose the peace of God, but that peace of God is what I'm going to be talking to you about in just a few seconds. But Jesus is talking to our worlds today and he's saying, I offer you peace. This world peace, this word peace is literally this word shalom. What does biblical peace look like? It looks like spiritual peace. It looks like emotional peace. It looks like relational peace. That's what we're talking about this morning. If I have to break it down for us, what does biblical peace look like, right? I, I want to leave with you a few things, uh, the, the three things that I want, to, I want to touch on, and then I'll get to the core of my message in just a few seconds. But uh, what, is, what is peace? What does biblical peace look like? One, biblical peace is peace with God. I want you to take notes, peace with God. The, the word that you have to underline there is a word with God. It's a spiritual peace. It's a peace that every person in this room, I pray and I hope, should know about. It is a peace that is unmatched. It's the peace that I pray that each one of us have either discovered in our life, or if you don't know that peace, I hope that God will give you a chance to meet him. When you meet him, you will know what this peace looks like. What has Jesus come for? What was the reason Jesus came for? What was the reason of his arrival? What was the reason of Advent? The reason that Jesus came was to restore peace to mankind. Into a broken world, he came to say, hey, I want to give you my peace. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 18, the Bible says, Through Christ, God made peace between himself and us. And God gave us the work of bringing people into peace with him. He says, man, just like I did, I want you and each of us, he is, you know, he is tasked with the responsibility of saying, this peace that I have given you, I want you to relay this message to the world around you. It could be your co-workers. Are they seeing the peace in your heart? When things are falling apart, are your children seeing that you are your people, that you are, you, are a, you are a father or a mother that has peace in your heart? Are you gathering people around you and saying, don't stress, it's okay. God has got our backs. The true peace of God will not just remain inside of you. The true peace of God will radiate for the world to see around you. The peace that God gives us is a peace that, that came from God. It's, it's a peace that God likes to give us and says, you know what, this is for you. Peace, peace with God is, is radical in its understanding. What do I mean by that? See, we all like to be in control of our lives. We love to be in control. We want to have the remote control. We want to have that knob in our hands. We want to have a say in how our, our, our life pans out. See, we become God sometimes of our lives and, and we want to make decisions and we want to overrule God many times into understanding and asking God, God, what is it that I need to change? What is it that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? What is it that I'm doing that I may need to change in my life? 
Because oftentimes, I have to be honest with you, we find ourselves in conflict. We find ourselves in rebellion because every time we contest with God and we look at God and say, God, we want to be God of our lives. We want to be in control. You're basically depriving God of his ability to be in control of your situation. What happens when there's rebellion? There's no peace. We feel disconnected to God. How many of you struggle with that in your lives? You don't know what's ahead of you. You make all these plans. You have this five-year plan, this 10-year plan, this two-year plan. And when things don't go according to plan, you have unrest in your heart. You don't know how you're going to pay for that car. You don't know how you're going to pay for that house. If you lose that job, you don't know how the next day's meal is going to come from because you've made plans to fit your own agenda. But when everything starts crumbling around you, you didn't put your peace and trust in Jesus and you didn't give him control. So when everything starts falling around you, man, you feel so disconnected disconnected from God. You know, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says this, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. What is this peace I'm talking about? This peace with God, this spiritual peace that I'm talking about, see, peace doesn't come because of what we do. Okay, this is something that I want to be very clear about. Or our actions. See, we have peace because of what Jesus has done already on the cross for us. It's a done deal. It is sealed. Jesus secured our place with God because of his death on that cross. And sin separates us from God, but his death closed that gap. So so peace with God is this objective kind of peace. It's this peace that's not negotiable. It doesn't come from within ourselves. It's not something that we can obtain. It's something that we are freely given. It is a gift from God, a gift given by Jesus when each of us saves as a repentant sinner saying, God, I don't want to be in control of my life. Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you be my King? The moment you make that confession and say, Jesus, would you be King over my life? The peace that comes from God comes into your life and it takes over. It's a subjective peace. The second kind of peace that the Bible talks to us is the the peace of God. There's a very big distinction between the two. One is a peace with God and the other one is a peace of God. This peace is this internal, uh, it's this peace of God that, that reigns within the being of the Christian. It's a spiritual peace. And in the verse that we read in John, where, God, where Jesus says, hey, I give you my peace, that's the peace that he's talking about. Now, here's the, here, here's the thing with that. See, in order for us to experience this peace, we have to experience the peace that God gives us, the, 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 very, the very objective peace that he says, if you know me, I give you the peace that is upon you, the strength that is upon you, the security of tomorrow, eternity is guaranteed because of that peace that God gives us. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's the, that's the peace that we're talking about, the peace of God, the peace of Christ. Let it rule in your hearts. See, if you have the peace, if you have peace with God, then you have the peace of God. 
And unlike the peace with God, the peace of God is a subjective peace. I want you to pay attention. When, 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 when we have it, when we experience that peace that comes through trusting in Jesus, life completely changes. That no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what the adversity, not only do you know that God is on your side and God is with you, but through those, those, those passages of life that you go through, through the valley of the shadow of death, you know that you know that you know that despite of everything you're going through, Jesus is by your side and he gives you the ability to trust even in the middle of the storm. See, this piece is also a gift from God. It's given to us by God freely, generously. It produces this feeling of wellness. It produces this feeling of contentment, but it is something that we must actively pursue day after day in our lives. I want to make a statement this morning because I have to rush through this. No matter what you're battling with in life, all right, God has a peace for every situation that you're going through. It could be a financial peace that you're praying for. It could be a relational peace that you're praying for. It could be peace inside of the home. It could be peace inside of your heart. It could be a sin that you're dealing with. It could be something that is festering. It could be a a, a relationship issue. It could be a marriage issue. But God provides peace for every situation in your life. And he says, no matter what you're going through, my peace is sufficient for you. That is the peace that we're talking about when we're saying we have peace, the peace of God. See, I don't want to spend too much time on this because this is what we'll be talking about today for the next, next 15 minutes. Now, now the, the third kind of peace in, Bib- in the Bible is this peace with community. Peace with community. That's the peace with other people. The external peace. The relational peace. See, the thing is this. The further away we get from God and we disconnect ourselves from God, the further we get away from peace in this world. See, this idea of diversity and and unity and diversity and this idea of let's all come together and let's live in peace and harmony, it's going to just be a said thing. It's just going to be a spoken thing. It's just going to be theory if we as the church cannot get it together. If we don't understand what peace with God and peace in God is, if we don't understand that, it's not going to make any sense. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.16, Christ bought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got got us to embrace and and that was the end of hostility is what the Bible says. The the cross is what brought that peace. In Galatians 3.28, in Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave, free, male and female among us. You all are equal. And unless we understand that, and unless we communicate that every single day, we will not understand biblical peace, church. But here's where I want us to get excited. How do we tap into this peace? We tap into this peace the more and more we understand what the peace of God, the second peace that I talked about, what the peace of God truly means. How do we experience the perfect peace of God? Let me go back briefly to John chapter 14 and verse 27 where the Bible says, I give the gift of peace to you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. That's beautiful. Like Jesus distinguishes that and says, guys, there is this fake, fake peace. Someone say fake peace. Come on, somebody. I'm going to talk about it in a second. I can go on. We can make a list of all the fake peace that we resort to and we tap into every time life gets hard. It comes in different forms. It comes in different sizes. It comes in different shapes. And it's all there to deceive us that that's good enough for us. 
And Jesus says, y'all, if you just trust in me and tap into my peace, it's a far superior peace. It's not a fragile peace. He's saying the peace that you tap into is breakable, man. It has a fragile sticker on it. Come on, am I, am I talking to somebody? If somebody drops it, if, some, if you move, there's a possibility that that's going to break. He says, that's the kind of peace that you prefer over my permanent, loving, you know, peace that I give you that, 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 that's, not, that's not limited? Come on. How do we experience this gift of peace? Number one, I'll leave four points with you and we'll pray and close. Asking God for peace makes sense of the blurry. All right, how do we experience this, this, this gift of peace? How do we experience the perfect peace of God? Point number one is asking God for, to, to make sense of blurry situations in our life. You know, one of the, the most important areas that I seek the peace of God in my life is in situations that I don't understand the will of God. I don't know if you've been there before, but sometimes some of my prayers are, Lord, tell me what I should do. Like, I have no idea, God. I don't know what decision to make. Like, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty crazy when it comes to that. Like, I, I try to ask God for wisdom in every decision. All right, Lord, Chick-fil-A or, or McDonald's today. God, Lord, give, would you give me, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But, but, but it's kind of like that. Like, Lord, I need wisdom. Some of you are like, is that even a question, Pastor Ashish? It's Chick-fil-A. That's God's food, right? But, but, but man, there's, there's situations that I'm in life. I'm like, Lord, what do I do for my family? What, what decision do we make as a family? What decision do we make as a husband and a wife? What's going to be best for our children? And in those situations, some of the biggest, the, 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 the biggest questions is, Lord, would you just speak to me? Would you give me a peace about this? And without fail, it's amazing when I get into the presence of God and ask God for confirmations. It's not an audible voice. It's not a, hey, Ashers, this is what I wanted to do. Or, hey, Ashers, this is what I wanted to do. And it's, it's not an audible voice. It's a, it's a peace that passes. And we'll talk about that in just a second. It's a peace that passes all understanding. See, the, the way that you ex experience this gift of peace is by asking God, to make sense of the blurry stuff that's around us. How many of you experience that in your life? Like stuff that is blurry where you need clarification, that you need to sit down with God and say, God, can we just, can we just talk? Can we just explain this? Can we just break this down and explain this to me like a five-year-old Lord? Man, when the peace of God sets into you, things will become, start becoming clear. Christians are supposed to live in clarity. I want to make that very, very clear. Like God, God's not a God of confusion. Does anybody know that? My God's not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. He will pave a path. Like think about the, the Christmas story like we're talking about right now when the angel appeared to Mary. It suddenly becomes clear, right? God confirms it through her and says, man, it doesn't make sense to you. You're a virgin, but I'm going to give you a word. And I'm going to make it very clear in plain language that there will be a child that is born through you. And you might be a virgin. It doesn't matter. This is a divine child. God, this is blurry, God. But since you said it, come on, somebody. There are things that God will ask you to do that is insane, that is crazy. But hey, if he said it to you, he's able to do God things. Can I hear an amen? I mean, if he told you that he will heal you of that terminal sickness, I don't doubt for a second that if his word tells you that if you know it in your heart and you feel a peace about it hey God is able to do that and I believe that in my heart what is it that you need clarity about it could be the problems that you're going through your past your present 
It could be when the angel appeared to Joseph in his dream, like last Sunday, when we talked about in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. And the Bible says, as he considered these things, he was thinking about it, as he was praying. That's what the word, the word considered means. He went back home and he was considering and he was like, Lord, how do I take this news that Mary just shared with me, this big bombshell that she dropped down? I, I have no idea, God, as to how I am going to control this, Lord. I don't know. It's going to be shame. And God comes down and speaks to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in his, we, we talked about this last week. Confusion goes away. And he's, the word that he uses is what? Do not what? Fear. He says, man, there, there's so many people today that need to be reminded. Fear takes the best of us. It takes control over us. And God looks at you and me and says, the, re, the biggest gift that I can ever give you is this gift of peace that tells you that despite of all the uncertainty around you, Joseph, do not worry. In the middle of your shame, in the middle of your, your problem, in the middle of people ostracizing you, you know that this was a word from me. This is something that I need us to understand this morning. Peace does that. Peace reminds you that it may not make sense to the world. It may not make sense to Mary. It might not make sense to your mom or your dad or your relatives or your friends. They might label you. They might call you names. And over the next nine months, you might feel ostracized and and left alone. And and people won't understand you. But, but, But trust me, Mary, you hold on to my word that says you are chosen by me to deliver this baby that I have placed. She chose to tap into the voice of God. That's the, that, that's the piece I'm talking about. That's the piece I'm talking about. Or it could be the wise men that saw the star that God made it clear through. You know, in Luke chapter 11, verse 35, there's this beautiful verse that says this, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. This is crazy. He says, make sure that the light that you have is not actually darkness. Like a lot of us are truly convinced that because you go to church on Sunday morning and because you worship and because you tithe and because you bring your kids to church, this, this is going to hurt for a little bit, but some of us have bought into the lie that everything that you see light around you is supposed to be good. It's, it's, it's God's will. It's going to be perfect. See, we tell ourselves that we're good when we're not. <laughs> see, when, and, and for so many of us, that's a piece that we know about. That's what the Bible is trying to explain to us. Like, you need to know what life in God is like. Just because you have friends or just because you have those pretty pictures on Instagram, it doesn't mean that you have peace, y'all. Am I talking to somebody like, you're looking at people and you're like, man, that family's so put together. They have like professional pictures every month in a different outfit. Like, come on, somebody. Like, whoa, I want that life. (laughs) Let me tell you, you have no idea. You have no idea what they're going through in their life. What they have in probably one area, they don't have. And they're struggling. They, they, they're, they're lacking in something else. And maybe their way of confronting that, and maybe their way of, of, of calling that light is by showing you and me that everything is put together. And God is saying, do not be deceived by that. Do not buy into that lie yourselves. Is what God is... Re- Am I talking to somebody this morning? See, because some people spell peace as M-O-N-E-Y. And some of us spell peace as S-E-X. And some of us spell peace as drugs or alcohol or friends. 
And my question to each one of us is, are we allowing God to give you peace for the decisions that you have to make in your life? Trust me when I tell you this, when you genuinely go into the presence of God and ask God for his will in your life, genuinely spend time in the presence of God, not a quick 30 minute, God, I need to make this decision in 30 minutes, God, would you give, if it's genuinely a 30 minute decision that you have to make, I believe that God will give you an answer. But if you snooze on it, thinking that God says, is going to say, okay, to what your heart desires, instead of aligning your heart with God's heart and saying, God, if my desires align with your desires, I pray that it will come to pass, not the other way around of saying, God, this is my desire. I hope your will aligns with my desire, Lord. No. But God will, if you genuinely go into the presence of God and ask God for peace, he will tell you, hey, this is what I want, or this is my will for you, or this is not my will for you. But my question is, how many of you are going to be okay with it? If you don't have that peace, are you still going to be like, God, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? No. If he doesn't give you peace about it, consider that as a closed door. I need to go on. Point number two, peace will always be at odds with ego. Peace will always be at odds with ego. See, when ego is pres- present, conflict is present. All right? they, they breed on the same grounds. In Psalm 34, verse 18, the Bible says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. If there's one thing that God is attracted to, it's humility. Someone say humility. He's attracted to people having a heart of humility, not a proud heart, not a haughty spirit, but having an attitude of humility is important, church. In Isaiah 26 and verse 12, the Bible says that, Lord, will you, you will grant us peace. All we have accomplished is really from you. Church, I guarantee you when you go into the presence of God and say, God, nothing that I have is from me. Man, the peace that passes all understanding, and we'll talk about that in the next point, but God's peace will be so relevant in your life when you and I can come into the presence of God and say, God, I'm nothing, God. I'm a nobody, God. And that's what the Bible says, Lord, all I am and all I have is you. The need to be in control of everything sometimes gives you this false sense of peace and saying, I got this. But when are we going to stop and say, no, I don't got this. I don't want to got this. I want you to got this, God. I want, I want you to take control. Let's stop, let's stop doing that and saying, I got to have a say in everything. I, gotta, I, I know that that's what we usually do, but when it comes to things that God speaks over our life, can we give it into the hands of the Lord? Point number three, say no to anxiety. Say no to anxiety. See, in order for us to receive the peace of God, we have to make a concerted effort to work towards doing what Jesus instructs us. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. See, it's a choice to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's a choice that we make to keep our hearts devoted to him. Our minds continually be renewed in his word. See, the problem is this. Sadly, when we allow anxiety or fear to set in, what happens? We lose focus. We become disheartened, a confusion abounds. We wonder if God is anywhere around and we're, we're so lost and then the flow of God's peace to us is blocked and then we're, our joy is diminished and that's what Paul warns us about such worry that creates anxiety and he tells us that we are to come to God with thanksgiving and in prayer to receive that peace that God provides for us. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7, the Bible says, Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God. Someone say, peace of God. 
which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, be anxious about nothing. Lord, even this diagnosis that I just got, nothing. Lord, about my children's situation, nothing. But in everything, he, he reemphasizes. He says, not just be anxious about nothing, but he gives you a solution for that. Lord, what should I do? But in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication. Don't forget to pray, church. In the middle of your confusion, in the middle of your, 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 your unknowingness, go to the presence of God in prayer and thank him. How many of us can thank him? Come on, that's not something that we're, it's, it's normal, right? God, I, I don't understand. God, I don't have peace in my heart, but thank you. Anyway, thank you, God. I just want to say thank you for everything that you were doing in my life, God. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. Thanksgiving, talk to God. He says, come with prayer, supplication. See, when we remember that all God has given us and, 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 and he has blessed us with, we, we can't help but give thanks to God. What are we trading here? We're trading stress for his peace. What's gonna happen when you do this? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What does that mean? What does it mean when we say the, the peace that passes all understanding? You ready for this? The moment I studied this, this, this kind of changed my thinking. See, when you have peace and there's no logical explanation as to why you have that peace, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this again because this is important. Catch on to this. See, when you have peace of God and there's no, absolutely no logical explanation as to why you should have that peace, when people are looking around you and saying, why are you smiling? Why are you excited? Like everything is falling. Like, like when those people came up to Job, his friends came up to him and said, dude, what's wrong with you? Hasn't God done, aren't you fed up with this? His wife comes up to him and says, curse God and die. With a smile in his face, he looks and says, my God is still worthy. He glorifies that, my friend, is peace. That is what God needs some of us to understand is that that's the peace that he needs some of us to use in our everyday lives. Your children need to see that peace. Your husband needs to see that peace. Your wife needs to see that peace come out of you. When everything is falling apart, we need some people, some believers, some Christians who have a personal relationship with Jesus that can stand up and say, though the storms may come, I will be the one that will stand up and say, my God has got my back. Why? Because I have a peace that passeth all understanding. Ah. See, at first it seemed... Not too comforting for God to tell me, hey, just, you know, just stop tripping. Because that's, that's, that's what I'm reading this as. Saying, Asha, Asha, just stop tripping already. Like, you're, you're going cuckoo. And, and I'm like, it takes a lot for me to say, no, that's not what God is meaning. But how am I supposed to stop being upset when upsetting stuff is going on? Come on, can someone say an amen with me? And that's when God pulled my attention to this last phrase, all right? And, and, and that's it. That's, this is it. Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, I need my heart and my mind guarded. How many of you need your heart and your mind? How many of you allow your mind and your heart to take walks? Me, I do. Sometimes I'm like, where'd you go? Like, it's been a while. Good to see you again. We're allowed to wander away. Come on, somebody, we need to guard our hearts. 
Because that's what the Bible says. The enemy is prowling around like a, like a roaring lion. Come on. He's, he's willing to steal, kill, and destroy. But I need some people in this place to make a determination and saying, I won't let that happen to my family. I won't let that happen to my marriage. I won't let that happen to my children or my future or my education. I will guard my heart and my mind with everything I got. See, confusion and troubles are designed by the great enemy to turn our minds and hearts from God. But when we are troubled and our thoughts dwell on ourselves and not on God, we wonder why we should, why we should go through that and, and we justify our feelings, we justify our actions and we worry about how things are going to turn out. But God is reminding us of this today and I want you to listen carefully. Guard your heart from the lie that anything or anyone apart from Jesus Christ will satisfy or complete you. There's absolutely nothing in this world. I, I've been down that path. I have walked that path where I have relied on things to satisfy my pain. I hope that we're not a perfect church. I hope that there are people that can echo and say, Pastor, I'm right there with you. And I've resorted to things and I've resorted to people that were, that were toxic to me. I've resorted to substances that were toxic to me. And Jesus says, if, if you know me and what I give you and what my word gives you, come on somebody, the, the other stuff is fragile. The other stuff is not even noteworthy. The other stuff is not even worth mentioning because my love and my passion for you and my 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 attraction for you and my, my strength for you outmeasures and outlasts anything on ever, or everything that may come against you. It's so important to align our hearts, guard our hearts. And here's my last point. Say yes to Jesus. As much as you say no to anxiety, say yes to Jesus. Worship team, would you come up? Uh, See, yes, saying yes to Jesus is one of the most important things. And you're like, duh, that's, that's obvious, Pastor Ashish. But how many of us really do? I'm challenging some of us today. When have you last said yes to Jesus? See, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says this. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He said, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And, and you will, not may, not you may happen to, you will find rest to your souls. Here's the promise. If you come to me, I will. He delivers if you do your part. Come to me. That's the, he's the source of peace. It's not a program. It's not a philosophy. It's not a pill that you take. It's not a way of living. It's not a state of mind. Peace is a person. He says, he says, come to me. If you read the Bible, people came to Jesus for various things. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, teach me. Jesus, answer my question. Jesus, do this. Jesus, do that. But in all of it, Jesus' one message to everybody was, I don't care about all those things. The reason I came is to give you peace. Because if there's one thing our hearts need today, is it's peace. I have been through a hard week, a week that has rocked me. And I went through this, uh, it's, it's a roller coaster of emotions during this week to where my heart started beating so fast that I thought that I would need to go to the emergency room. Sometimes the pressures of life are crazy. And sometimes when it rains, it pours. 
And you've been there. Oh, pastor, you're a pastor. How, how, wait, wait, you don't pray? I do, I do. But I'm still human. <laughs> still human. <laughs> See, people came to Jesus for different reasons. He, he said, it doesn't matter what reason you came for. Just come to me for peace. He lays emphasis on, re- emphasis on resting your soul. What does culture tell us? Culture says, work more. Do that extra hour at work. It tells you to work more, make more money, do more, do more, do more, do this, do that. Jesus says, just come to me, rest is what Jesus says. It's amazing how the words of Jesus are contrary to the words of the world. This drive that we have very often to to succeed, to measure up, is in direct conflict with the message of the gospel. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Can you stand up with me today? He says, take my yoke upon you. We're not talking about an egg yoke. We're not talking about the yellow. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, a cattle yoke. A yoke that would go on cattle. All right. A yoke lightens the load. It enables a weight to be shared. Okay. It, it's a symbol of partnership. It's a symbol of, hey, I'm not going to do this. This is going to be really hard to do. And there are two animals side by side. And this yoke ensures that both of them work in tandem. And Jesus' message is this. I want to partner with you. Stop pulling the burden by yourself. I'll help you pull. You get stressed when you're not yoked, man. You're tired because you're out of partnership. You're tired because you're yoked with something else when you shouldn't be. And it can't keep up with you. It's dragging you back because it's fragile. See, so many of y'all want to make that trip, but you're, you're walking on thin ice and you're like, all this stuff that I'm holding onto that gives me peace is real fragile. And if I, if I handle it the wrong way, it's going to break me apart. Because that's what all this stuff that gives you peace can do. It's so fragile that it can break you. It can destroy your career. It can destroy your marriage. It could destroy your future. It could destroy every thing about what God wants to do in your life. And he says, all I want you to do is to trade that with me. Can we trade it today? This extravagant gift exchange. This extravagant gift exchange. It's, it's something that I don't understand. But God, if you want to take that fragile existence of mine and replace it and give that, give a peace that passes all understanding, I want you to give God a chance this morning. If you don't know Jesus that way, I want you to give Jesus that chance this morning. I want you to pray with me this morning. See, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You know when you're going to experience perfect peace? When you know where eternity, when you're going to spend eternity with. Do you know that the number one cause of the lack of peace or the absence of peace in this world is people not knowing where they're going to go when they die. Or simply put, the fear of death. People don't want to die. They don't. They'll do anything. They'll pay an exorbitant amount of money to make sure that they live. But for the believer, the peace of God reminds you that it doesn't matter Even if you breathe your last today, the peace of God will remind you that you have a God that gives you eternal life. That's what the peace of God reminds you. 
You know what the peace of God does? That he, it tells you that he is in sovereign control and he removes all the anxiety over your life. Are you driving your life or are you allowing the sovereign hand of God to drive your life? You know why we stress and you know why we go through pain sometimes and we don't have peace? Because we don't know where our next meal is going to come. We, we, we don't know if God's going to provide for us. But God reminds us that He is our provision. I will provide for your every need. You can't have peace if you're worried about money. You can't have peace if you're constantly looking over your shoulder and He says, give that part to me. Carry the yoke. You know how you can have peace? By accepting the way that you were created. By saying, God, this is the way you created me and, and Instagram wants me to do this and, 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 and these people are living that way and that's what culture wants me to do. But this is who I am. This is the family I was raised in and you have a purpose in that. And I want to embrace that, Lord. Give me peace about my existence. some of us it's rejection God says man give me your heart and I can do something special in your life the greatest gift that was ever given to us was this gift of peace that he says I give it to you and it's a gift I pray that we will do as we do to any gift if somebody gives you a gift you're not like no 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 I don't want it please don't want it no you you take it I want some of us if, if you get a gift that, 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 that for Christmas what do kids first do they take, take it and they shake it they're like what is it they want to hear they're, they're anticipating something I want you to try Jesus today and this gift that he promises you it's a gift that's unmatched and as we pray as we just spend a few moments in worship thank you for listening we love bringing you the word on so many different platforms we are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.